Welcome back to season two of Jory Sports Stories. As always, I'm your host Jory, and today, once again, we've had we've got a jam-packed show for you guys. On the agenda for today, we have continued NBA playoff coverage and analysis. We have some news in the NFL regarding contracts and whatnot. And on this week's edition of Joy's Timeout Session, we discuss referees in the basketball, respective fandoms, and more. Once again, we've gotten an episode that you don't want to miss. So tune in, turn the volume up, and let's get it. Once again, we're starting this week's episode with the NBA. Of course, it's playoff season, and we've gotten quite a bit to break down. Is Denver more vulnerable than we thought? How scary is this Lakers team really? What does the Knicks need to do in order to seriously contend for a deep playoff run? And why do the Celtics struggle in late game situations? All questions to be answered and more in this segment of, in this segment. So without further ado, let's get it popping. in the NBA, I've had a few questions like, one, what's going on in Boston? Two, are the Lakers really scary? Three, are there changes coming to Golden State? And some more. But first, before I even get into all of that, we're going to break down some of these playoff series that have been happening. Some games are, are occurring today, like the Lakers versus Golden State. We'll see if the Lakers can close it out. I believe they can because they have LeBron and AD and some veterans on that team that have playoff experience that know it's now time to close these out. But without further ado, let's get into it. So I just mentioned that the Lakers and the um, the Warriors are playing this, e- this evening. Excuse me. Um, but we're going to break down this series first. I'm going to just talk about what happened a little bit in the last game. So when we come down to Lakers and Golden State, when Anthony Davis is consistent and he's healthy, what we've seen is that there's nobody on Golden State that can even contend with him. Draymond, Looney, Kaminga, whoever. One, AD is huge. AD's tall, like seven foot, I believe. So, Golden State, like, I knew this was going to be a bad matchup for Golden State because they play small. Draymond is what, like six one, six two ish if that. Um, we all know how small look small stuff is, but when you're going against somebody who's like six ten, that's a no no. That's that's like a recipe for you to get killed. So it was like size. And right now with this Lakers team, again, LeBron no longer has to be historically great in order to have to win a game. First quarter in game four, he didn't take a shot. He dominated when it mattered. Second and third. He ended up the he ended up the game. He ended the game, excuse me once again, with about like 20 points and a whole bunch of rebounds, I believe, and some assists. So LeBron, right now, I just need LeBron to stay healthy, in all honesty. I really just need him to stay healthy, keep doing what he does, keep facilitating. He's still doing this at a high level in year 20. I'm 22. Let's just take that into consideration. Golden State's biggest issue and advantage is, and advantage in the series, or was, because now they're down 1-3. Yeah, they're down 3-1, one, 1-3, one, whatever. 
But Golden is is the lack of size. And one thing about Golden State is they commit a lot of personal fouls. They will foul you because they're small. And they're playing in a conference where a lot of these teams are bigger. So they have to be more scrappy, if that makes any sense. But it makes sense to me. So their biggest issue is lack of size. Their biggest advantage is lack of size because we see what they can do when they run small ball and the Lakers sometimes act like they don't know how to stop it, i.e. But one thing in this series that I really do love to see is the adjustments being made game to game. Like, I love it. I love the visible adjustments. I love how they're, how we had two blowouts and then they started playing a little bit better. Even though, board, like, on paper, the Lakers are a better team right now. But you still got to respect Steph. You still got to respect Clay. When Draymond gets going, if he gets going, you're in for it because he can still shoot, hit a three, even though it's not required of him. But, yeah. And then Golden State also has a tendency to commit a lot of personal fouls. And it's like, I feel it's a lot of people that's been complaining that the Lakers get a lot of fouls. Well, in this situation, you have two teams that completely that play completely different styles of basketball. Like Golden State is more tailored to the shooting, the shooting of the three, the perimeter, all of that stuff. The Lakers with LeBron and LeBron has been doing this for about 20 years. He's been doing it for more than 20 years, but 20 years professionally. Um he gets into the paint. He's going to drive the ball. He's going to draw a foul. Like, so we can't be surprised that Lakers are getting a lot of calls because they're, they're a more physical team. AD gets in the paint. Rui gets in the paint. D'Lo can get into the paint. The Lakers are a paint menace. And the Warriors are not. They're a menace from behind the three, from behind the arc. So... All of that crap, that's why, the, that's why the Lakers get more to the line because they play a more physical brand of basketball than whatever the Warriors are doing, but that's that. So, and the one thing about the Warriors that I've been looking at is Jordan Poole and his consistency. They, This is why I say our things coming for, changes coming for Golden State because – Jordan Poole has been on the shallow end when it comes to consistently showing up when it matters the most. In all honesty. He takes bad shots without hesitating, but they just gave him a contract. But whatever. They, so they pay him to make those type of shots, right? So my thing about it is like, yeah, you're paid to take them shots, but you're also paid to make them. He's made most of them. He's made about He's a pretty good shooter, but at the same time, making a bad, taking a bad shot, I, uh-uh, uh-uh, and there's some issues going on in Golden State. I don't know if they need to just start getting some size on that roster. They're going to have to start doing something else. But kudos for making the necessary adjustments for Darvin Ham. My series prediction for this series right now, Lakers are five. Now, am I wrong? I could be wrong and 
other stuff could be in the cards, but whatever. Lakers and five. Denver and Phoenix. Now, I know they just played last night. But the night before, I even and even last night, because I saw a little bit of it. Um Denver doesn't play the best defense at all times, which will be an issue depending no matter what team they get next if they win this series. Because it's not a sure foul. This series is not a sweep. Because simply because of Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. But we're gonna get into that in just a second. But um Denver doesn't play the best defense at all times, which will be an issue if they play the Lakers next, which they probably will. Um, you're going to have to be defend a lot better than that. And the Lakers have a better bench. So this is not Phoenix. The Denver, the Denver Nuggets, you remember this Lakers team from the bubble, even though it's a different team, but they ran into a buzzsaw then. So... And prior to game the, the game last night, I was like, something, somebody other than Jokic and Murray is going to have to step up and do it consistency, consistently. People like Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter Jr. Now, last night, we saw Michael Porter Jr. get it going a little bit. But a lot of the times, I, you see Aaron Gordon looking confused. And one thing I don't think is going to happen, but it's one thing to mention. And this is what I think. Given the climate right now, not that the actual climate of the world, the, 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 the basketball climate, with Mike Budenholzer getting fired, right? We'll discuss that in just a second. If Denver somehow blows this series, somebody's seat needs to be hot. I mean, I'm telling you, t just flaming hot. And another thing, DeAndre Ayton... Definitely don't want to be in Phoenix. I'm just going to just say that from what I'm seeing. Because it's like, what? What you're getting destroyed by Jokic. Your body language is poor half the time. You can see, I, like I saw a video of Kevin Durant and Booker trying to motivate the guy. Or somebody trying to talk to him. And he goes sit on the bench by himself. Jesus Christ. DeAndre Ayton does not want to be there. His attitude is poor. His confidence is shot. And something with his competitive spirit ain't right. I don't think he'll be there after this series. I really don't think he'll be there. They won't bring him back. They'll try to move him or do something with him. But DeAndre Ayton and his lack of spark, spark or spunk or urgency or whatever you want to call it, in a playoff in a playoff environment, that's a red flag. They better move up off of him. Um, one thing that we saw last night, both Kevin Durant and Booker can't have bad games like last night when there's almost nobody to pick up the slack. They have some shooters. They have some talent. But the amount of weight that Kevin Durant and Booker pull, if one of them, if one of them is off, you're going to lose. If both of them are off, you're going to get blown out. So the the biggest problem Phoenix has had, and I've been saying this for weeks now, is depth. Like they, and they have some talent on that roster. I'm talking about Jock Landell. I'm talking about um, what's-his-face. Is his name Terrence or something like that? 
whoever's listening, you know who I'm talking about. I'll have to find it. I'm not going to do it right now, though. But when, but they're not, or they're not at the level yet that they can comfortably put up what Booker and Kevin Durant can do. That bench has not been performing very well throughout these playoffs. So, with Kevin Durant and Booker both having bad games, like last night, things like last night is going to happen. They're going to get blown out. And that's why I was like, I don't, that's why I even thought this series was going to be a sweep because I'm like, I don't see how they come out this series when their bench has, is shot. And then you lose CP3. And then his backup, you got to bench him, and he starts pouting. I'm talking about DeAndre Ayton. This is what I'm talking about. You play so horribly that you get benched, but then you pout. Go cry in a corner since we're acting like that. Because all you had to do was play better. Do a little bit of something. And I'm going to get on somebody else about that, too. Well, in a minute, in a minute. But I'm like, all you had to do was play better. You wouldn't be sitting on a piece of wood if you had to play better. Period, point blank. And I don't know if the bench is wood and whatnot. I'm just talking. But you should have played better, period. Or you should have put more of an effort, period. Instead of getting pulled and then pouting because you got pulled and being upset. And then the person that they pulled that you got pulled for ended up playing better anyway. Visibly playing a lot better than what you were doing. So it's like, you're upset because somebody made a business decision, a game-saving or changing decision, and you had happened to be get, you happen to be the person to get the short end of the stick. When all you had to do was play better and act like you were, and act. And play like what we know that you could play like, Mr. Aiden. You didn't have to do all of that. You didn't have to stink it up. But you stunk it up and you got benched and now, you're, now you were upset? Go cry. Like, seriously. And one thing, if Kevin Durant stays, I believe he will. Because I like what they have going on in Phoenix. Phoenix clearly clearly needs to get better pieces around Katie and Booker. You need to put some, you need to line your bench a little bit. And ones you can consistently rely on and ones that won't quit either. Yo, yes, those were shots. And you can't really rely on Chris Paul either because he's always injured. Like the past few playoff seasons, he's had a soft tissue injury keeping him out uh, for games. Sir, you're Chris Paul. Soft tissue injuries happen when you occur, when you fall out of bed. That should not keep you from playing playoff basketball. I don't know how bad the injury is, but at the same time, you're always injured. It always happens. It always occurs during, like, playoff-type things. You know what I'm saying? What not. And Nick's Heat. Nick's Heat. So, bottom line... The Knicks simply aren't ready yet to be serious contenders. And I know a few weeks ago I said that Julius Randle 
they needed Julius Randle back, right? I know I said that. But at the same time, I'm going to say this here. Julius Randle has not been what the Knicks needed him to be since he's returned. Again, you're not closing out games, you're not shooting very well, and you're turning the ball over, and sometimes you look like you don't know what you're doing at times. You he look like he looks like a real airhead on the basketball court at sometimes. And it kind of infuriates me because I just said that they needed you to be have a chance in the series and they look like and you're out on the court looking like someone just pumped your head full of air. Like you're out on the court looking stupid. And I don't like that. And it's to the point where he's a train wreck waiting to happen. Did you hear what he said about maybe they just wanted it more? No. No, 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 no. In playoff basketball, they ask you why you lost your game and whatnot. Whatever the question was, no answer should be maybe they wanted it more. Because that's avoidant and dismissive of the problem. The problem is you. Well, one of the problems is you, Mr. Randall. When sometimes you look like you don't know what you're doing and you don't belong there in a playoff environment, and then sometimes y'all are just young and inexperienced and don't know what you're doing, and, and it shows. Like, I'm not trying to rip on the Knicks, right? I'm ripping on him because that's just pathetic. To go out in the media and say maybe they just wanted it more than me is extremely dismissive and it's stupid. No. If you're no, no, no. Because maybe they just wanted wanted it more than me is not a valid excuse to why you played like that. That's not a valid excuse. You weren't defensively you were okay, but you weren't closing out. There were times in the that you I didn't even see you box out. Or ma- man, and then you're not shooting well either. You keep making these stupid mental errors and turning the ball over. Like, come on now. You're saying that they just wanted it more than me, but they just maybe they just wanted it more than us. No. I feel like every team should be should approach these games like they're winnable games. So maybe they wanted it more than us is not a very good excuse or very good rationale to try to spew out because I'm going to poke holes in that. No, what happened was you didn't play well. Y'all are young and experienced and not ready for this type, these type of lights. And y'all need some better pieces, including getting rid of you, Mr. Julius Randle. That's what happened. But if you pair that youth with Jalen Brunson and some other pieces on that team, correct, with another superstar, with a superstar, and you took out Julius Randle and you added experienced veterans with better and some better players on the bench around Brunson and company, this Knicks team will be relevant, will be even more relevant in the years to come. They just, they're not there yet. In all simple, in all factuality, why? And Miami, the only thing I have to say about Miami is they're gonna go as far as Jimmy Butler goes, because at the same time, Bam is streaky. 
Uh, Cal Lowry is what Cal Lowry does. That's why he's on the bench, I believe. Harrow's hurt. And they don't really play well. Well, they don't play the same as when Jimmy Butler is on the floor as the account as to what when he's not. So, one, Jimmy Butler turns into Jimmy Buckets when the lights shine brightest. They've been playing well off the bench, playing well for an, ext- an entire game defensively. You can depend on their surrounding players more than the next ones. And they play hard, tough, and they're coached well in everything. But one thing about Miami is I believe Miami might be missing another piece alongside um, Jimmy Butler. You think about it because they're already a good team. It's just that they haven't been able to get over a certain hunch or a hump to get another ring for whatever reason. You add another viable piece on the other side of like Jimmy Butler and I believe this team will get will be really good, like scary good in all honesty. They just need one more consistent piece. 76ers and the Celtics. Joel and B being mildly healthy and without that knee brace spells trouble for the Celtics. They don't have the an- they can't seem to have the answers for them. And that in a mildly consistent Harden. Harden doesn't have to draw drop 40 now that Embiid is pretty much now that M- Joel Embiid is ramping up, Harden doesn't have to do as much. And then with Tobias Harris, yes, that's the name, Tobias Harris, and Tyrese Maxey showing up out of thin air, contributing. The Celtics really didn't stand a chance. The The 76ers went in there and decided, this is our game, we're going to take it, and they're not going to do anything about it. They couldn't have, they didn't have a lot of answers for Embiid. James Harden got his looks. And then when your role players start to get clicking, and start to contribute, and that's the Joel Embiid effect. This is why this man has an MVP. I didn't see it before, but I see it now. When Joel Embiid is on the floor, and James Harden gets going, and then just maybe one or one or two other people might be weaving in and out and being shifty or whatnot, the 76ers can be heck to deal with. But the Celtics, their in-game errors, mental errors, and I've been saying we've been I've been witnessing this from game to game. They struggle late game in the late lately. They've been struggling late games. But we'll talk about that in just a second. They're in trouble. And the worst thing Boston could have done was dropping game one without Embiid. Philly didn't have Embiid in game one. So and in game two, he looked awkward with that knee brace. And we see he's ramping up. He's ramping up, like I said. And B gets in his stride. Boston is very much in trouble. Once again, like I've said, he gets his teammates involved. And once he gets going, it's easier for everybody else to get going. Because you're trying to stop Embiid. There's Harden. There's Maxie who can do some stuff. There's Harris and some other people. I don't know their whole roster, but they're getting it together. And that being said, the Celtics are having a significant coaching downgrade from M.A. Udoka. 
who's now in Houston. Let's see. We have questionable lineups, clock management, costly mistakes, and why aren't your players fast enough down the stretch? Now, that overtime game was hard to watch. I mean, it wasn't hard to watch, but that overtime game where Philly won. Oh, my God. If you have 11 seconds on the clock and you manage that that clock correctly and you call a timeout right there, they would have won that game. But that was bad decision-making. The coaches, I'm not even finna rip on the coach. I'm not. Because I feel like everybody else has been ripping on him. Yes, he's young. Yes, he's inexperienced. But these type of mistakes, yeah, they're growing pains and whatnot. But these type of mistakes with this type of Philadelphia team will get the Celtics sent packing. And all Philly has to do is win another game at this point. That's where we are. And think about it. If Philly wins another, we go back to, they go back to Philly and Philly wins a game, correct? Correct me. Yeah, they go back to Philly. If Philly wins that game and they rattle off three straight to win a series, what's going on? And there's been times that I've seen the Celtics play, that it looks like sometimes Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown don't belong on the court together at times. And we know what they're supposed to, they're the law firm, right? But I don't know. It's been cracks. It does, the Boston Celtics have been cracking the series, especially in the late game. That's when it gets more noticeable. So if they don't get this type of stuff under control, and if Philly comes out next game ready to close this ready to close this thing out, Boston better be ready to go to Cancun. That's all I got to say about that. Next up, we got some headlines in the NFL going on. Like, what does Dexter Lawrence getting paid mean for the likes of Saquon and Quentin Williams? Saquon Barkley, that is. Tampering with the former Colts quarterback. And who's still at the top? Who's still out on the open market? And will they find a roster spot? Stick around for this and more in this NFL segment. So once again, let's get it. to the NFL first things first I'm gonna get this out the way so I can rip on the Colts we're gonna talk about their situation and something else about a former Colts quarterback that's just been released in my opinions on that but apparently old Ursay is in shambles about the commanders apparently allegedly acquiring about Andrew Luck regards to tampering now my thing is I understand he would be upset that's against the rules and tampering everybody tampers though Apparently. Okay. My thing is, why are you so upset and upset? Why are you even upset about this? 
because y'all didn't do right by him when it was until it was too late. You single-handedly caused that man to retire in his prime. Um, y'all have been on this downward spir- spiral ever since, rightfully deserved. And after what you did to Matt Ryan, now if you know me, you know I grew up in Georgia. I grew up. I I live in Georgia, and I grew up a Falcons fan until like a few years ago. So now I am a Titans fan because I like the Titans. And it's, this has been brewing because I've been playing, paying plenty of attention to the Titans for, for years before I knew I was a fan. So it's like they kind of chose me. I chose them. We'll get into that. Yada, yada, yada. So <laughs> I have some gripes against the Colts about how they did Matt Ryan. Because you promised this man the world and you gave him absolutely nothing. Come on. But whatever. So don't act like you care now when that man will put his body on the line, play through injuries, try to truck defensive linemen for that franchise. And y'all didn't protect him. And now that he's retired, and now that he's retired, and because of how he retired and when he retired, y'all were reeling as a franchise because of it. And it's your fault. Plus, this particular franchise also backdoored Peyton Manning. I remember that. So, yeah, with all due disrespect, they're getting what comes to them, and I hope it continues to happen. Cheats. And on to the next topic on today's NFL segment is Dexter Lawrence. Signed a four-year, $90 million contract with the Giants, $60 million fully guaranteed. I'm I'm not going to break down the whole contract. I don't have that with me, and I'm not going to do it. But... I believe he'll be the third, second or third highest paid defensive lineman. And the market for interior defensive linemen has pretty much been set. What does that mean? Well, Titans paid Jeffrey Simmons. He's getting about 90-something million dollars. About $59.60 million of that is fully guaranteed. Um, Commanders paid Deron Payne. I can't. I'm not pulling up those those numbers right now. Uh but it's quite a bit. He's making about twenty-two something. Twenty-two. Him and Jeffrey Simmons are making like twenty-two million dollars a year. So if my math is right. And it so is um Dexter Lawrence apparent now. So where 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 am I getting with this? Because it's been reported that the Jets and Quinn and Williams are nowhere near close to an agreement on a contract. So what does that mean? Is the man going to hold out? What is it, it? And then they still have to, to, to pay Saquon, even though I'm pretty confident that they can get it done. But at the same time, if they don't get it done, it really wouldn't be, surprise me. But my more, my most important thing is Quentin Williams, right? So in this situation, the market, his market has already been set because other people, other teams were smart enough to go ahead and play to pay, pay him, right? So I don't know if he's is he on his fifth year option. I believe so. I be, I'm going to treat this like he's on his fifth-year option. So if they make him play this fifth year out and they still don't give him a contract, they could franchise tag him. 
But what he's done to the Jets franchise is like, he doesn't deserve to be Lamarred. <laughs> and it's like, I made up my own phrase for that, but that's pretty much what Lamar Jackson just went through. Uh, played out the fifth year of his option, got a franchise tag. Luckily, they got another deal done. But with the Jets, they just bought back Aaron. They just bought Aaron Rodgers. They just got Aaron Rodgers. So they're on the cap for $60 million this year, I believe. Yeah, $60 million. What are they going to do with Quentin Williams? Are they going to put this off until next year and just make it play on that option if he is on the option? Are they going to place the tag on them? Or are they going to Lamar on them? Who knows? But that's something that, as a Jets fan, I would seriously be considered, be kind of concerned about because that's literally the anchor of my line. Quinnen Williams is the anchor of that defensive line for the Jets in all actuality. Next. So, fifth-year options, we're going to go into some more fifth-year options, notable ones. I know I went into some last week, but I'm going to go into some more as to why their options were either picked up or declined. But let's get into it. So, Makai Becton, Jets, they declined. They declined to pick up his option. He's been, he's one of those that's been kind of iffy. I don't know if he... I don't know if his will is there. He was overweight. Um, he was injured. He could just be lazy, unmotivated, and injured. But he also tweeted that he's a left tackle. Work hard, bro. That's why your option got declined. Because they obviously don't see it in you. They're willing to let you hit the market after this upcoming season. They're willing to let you go. That's what that means. So... You're also you're tweeting that you're a left tackle and you haven't done much to earn that spot. That's why Robert Solov came out and said he needs to earn it. Earn it. It's not going to be given to you. You have a spot on this roster. Fifty-two other people has a spot on this roster. You know what that offensive line room looked like. Earn it. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Kansas City declined. This is mainly due to injury concerns. Chase Young declined again most likely due to injury injury he can't stay healthy but he's an absolute dog when he is we know what chase young is i'm i think in all honesty i think that if he can stay healthy this season washington will bring him back you can't let a talent like that go without reason tua picked up that's a no-brainer jedrick Willis from Cleveland, he's an offensive lineman, picked up. He's one of the better O-linemen in today's league. I've watched him since he was at Bama. So, I know he deserved he deserved to have his option picked up. He's a pretty solid offensive lineman. Jerry Judy picked up. The only reason why, like, I'm not holding any the lack of anything against Jerry Judy. Anything like the lack of yards or whatnot, touches, whatnot, I'm not blaming Jerry Judy for that because they've wasted his talent with subpar and mediocre quarterback play, Russell Wilson included. So as far Jerry Judy, when you play 
like, let me get this correct. When you play such a dependent, a dependent position, such as wide receiver, the person who, the person getting you the ball is the most important part. Because if they're not talented enough or they can't do it or they're lacking or something like that, it's going to show. They're not, they're going to have hard times getting you the ball. So what they know what Jerry Judy can do. Hopefully Sean Payton can revise, can kind of revive Russ to be a core, at least 80% of what he once was. But yeah, you don't lose that. You don't let him hit the free market when you haven't given him a chance. AJ Terrell picked up one of the better corners in the league when healthy to me, because I do watch, I do get to catch some Falcon games living in Georgia. Um, CD Lamb picked up. He did make that jump. He's a dog. Dallas would be slow to not pick his option up, in all honesty. Jalen Rigger, Minnesota declined. He was drafted by the Eagles, then in August of 2022, was traded. He wasn't, I, he kept, he had selective catching. So, he didn't pan out in Philly, and he's not panning out in Minnesota so far. So, he might be on somebody's bench next season as well as wide receiver two or wide receiver three. Who knows? I mean, not this upcoming season. Well, next year, after this upcoming season. Brandon Ayuk, San Francisco, picked up another no-brainer. San Francisco needs to figure out what they plan to do at quarterback if Brock Purdy isn't progressing as far as they would like to. But I hope he is. I've heard that he is. And I think that Brock, that's Brock Purdy's job. And now that we've passed the draft and all of that stuff, I want to just key in on some notable free agents that really haven't found a home yet. And this is kind of like a weak class of free agents, if we're being honest. So, we got Zeke. Now, with Zeke, we've heard rumblings that Bucks could be a spot as a backup. And a return to Dallas at a cheaper rate is still on the table. So, that's with Zeke. Leonard for Kareem Hunt, he could find himself on a roster plot, as a, on a roster spot as a as running back number two or running back number three. Again, the reason why I'm saying things like that is because we had a really good round of running backs coming out of college this year. We had some solid running backs coming out of college. So these free agents, if they're going to find a spot, they're going to be backups, especially to teams that have young running backs or a veteran pretty deep or have a veteran running back that's not That's keeping it churning, keeping to keep it frank. Frank. Leonard Fournette, again, could find himself on the roster as a third down back or whatnot. Roger Saffold. Now, I'm a Titans fan. And if that man is truly a free agent, hey, buddy. Because I loved him. I loved him when he was in Tennessee. He's a very capable offensive guard, especially on the strong side, the right side. He, in my opinion, should not be available. Frank Clark. If he's not a chief, I don't know if he is a chief, but I heard he's a free agent, so I'm going to put him on his list. If he's not a chief, he will be on somebody's roster. He's too disruptive to be, as an edge rusher, to be a free agent. Kenny Galladay. 
has an upside, more of a project though than to a true to bat starter, Jarvis Landry, an injury liability. We know where he is when he's healthy, but is often injured and not, and is often injured. I'm gonna leave it at that. Justin Houston, very talented, but also kind of injury prone. Most of these people on these lists right now, um, are decent, but the value of what you're gonna get, minus somebody like a Roger Saffold or the Jedrick Wills, whose option got picked up. That's the wrong list. Roger Saffold, Frank Clark, whatnot. Um. These free agents, they got some baggage, to say the least. And before I end the segment, before we even start, because the NFL schedule release is tomorrow, but they've also released some of, they've released the international series today. So we're going to go go into that because they're going to have like three games in London, two in Germany. So the first game in London is October 1st, 2023, Atlanta versus Jacksonville. October 8th, 2023, Jacksonville versus Buffalo. October 15th, 2023, Baltimore versus Tennessee. Germany, November 9th, 2023, Miami versus Kansas City. November 12th, 2023, Indianapolis versus New England. My personal thoughts on some of these, right? Right off the bat, Baltimore and Tennessee really should be a game that locals can attend to here in the states either either in baltimore or nashville that is an old school rivalry if that game was in nashville i'd go to that game i'd ride up 65 to go to that game i'd get on 75 24 65 flying 100 i'd be at i'd be there and homie my little homie my, my ravens fan bro we that bed is still on so now i know a date i Go ahead and get that jersey ready, boy. But I feel like that should be something that's in the States. They could have put, like, Tennessee versus Jacksonville or Indianapolis in London. Not Baltimore. But anywho... Welcome to this week's edition of Joy's Timeout Session. And on this edition, we'll be covering referees, when to blame them, when not to blame them. We'll also be discussing some random aspects of fandom, all of that and more coming up on Joy's Timeout Session. You know, before I even start, I forgot to address that the fact that the, the um, Milwaukee Bucks um fired Mike Budenholzer just like a year or two removed from winning the championship. Um Yeah. If that's what we're doing. So if Denver doesn't get to a championship, if Denver somehow blows this series, should Mike Malone be on the hot seat? I absolutely believe so. Should he be fired? Probably not. If Denver fires that man, Will I be surprised? No. Given the given the climate. It was just something that was preaching on my mind. Now, will other teams start probably doing this? Maybe. So, as a coach, I'm looking at my shelf life as being extremely short. And I'm being required to do pretty much the impossible. And if I don't do it, I get fired. <laughs> but whatever. NBA refs. 
NBA refs have been very spotty. There have been some spotty calls by in the, in the NBA refs. Some ready, some missed calls, some no calls, some calls that should have been called, some egregious texts and whatnot, and ejections. We've had an influx of people being kicked in the groin. I need everybody in the NBA to be more cognizant of their body parts flying around. Please. Because I, I really hate to see people repeatedly getting hit. I understand Draymond is what Draymond is. And I'm not going to address Draymond. But I'm pretty much getting sick and tired of seeing an ejection a game. Or a tech a game. For stupid stuff. Control your body. There is no need for all of these people to be doing all this flailing and stuff. Stop trying to sell fouls, control your body, and people won't get hurt. I.e., and if you knew how to fall without hurting somebody, do that. I'm tired of people getting, and some of this stuff is not basketball moves. Like, I understand the thing what happened with LeBron was a basketball move. But some of this crap is not basketball stuff. So be cognizant, be cognizant of your body parts. Watch how you swing in your hands and flail in your arms. Unless somebody just happened to make you mad. Then, of course, I'm with throwing a few bows. But come on now. This is getting ridiculous. But back to the refs. And consistency in how these referees call games needs to improve. Regular season, preseason, postseason, midseason. Does season. Period. And if there's no clear cut, like, I know that they have this. And it's sometimes it's like they don't. Because, like, if you don't have an expert, if, like, it's not a clear cut foul, but you know somebody got fouled, have an expert on hand or on the phone that saw it. Like, kind of sort of what the NFL do. I do believe that the NFL needs to be doing that when it comes to roughing the passer penalties. That, that's a whole nother episode. But, yeah. And people blame, this is my thing about blaming the referees. They do have some BS calls. And sometimes, the player just has to be more careful on not fouling in front of a ref. But when the blame refs, when a dumb foul gets called, when a foul doesn't get called, uncalled for technicals and ejection, and just for stupid stuff, right? This is when not to blame the refs. When you're getting beat up in the paint, when you commit the most fouls in the league, and there really nothing, and when there's really nothing to blame the refs for. Like, if you know you committed a foul, why are you crying to the refs like, I don't know, I didn't do that. Oh, my mama, I didn't do that. He saw you do it. That's why he called it, you idiot. Like, I can't stand that. You keep crying when you get a foul. what I do? He saw you do it. And you know you did it. And bias. Some people say the refs are biased. Sometimes I do agree, refs can be biased when they shouldn't be. But don't claim bias when two teams that play two different styles of basketball and one is more physical and foul-inducing. Don't do that. 
i.e. Golden State versus the Lakers. And I was just, I was listening to one of, I forgot what podcast it was, on Sports Empire Network, the, my little network that I'm, a, that I'm a part of. Be sure to follow them on uh, YouTube and on Facebook, I believe. I believe there's a Twitter too, but I can't remember right now. But about fans and being part of your regional fan base or whatnot. And I like to some of the points that were made that were made, I do agree. Because it's like but my region also has happens to be one of the most funniest regions ever. Because it's like I live in Georgia, right? There's a lot of Falcons fans, there's a lot of Saints fans that came up here from Katrina. So Georgia is a wild card. But if I, even if I didn't watch the Falcons, if I wasn't paying attention to them, I, w- I wasn't cheering for the Saints. I will never cheer for the Saints. That's just because of where I'm from. But I got sick and tired of watching the Falcons because they, uh, my eyes were starting to wander. Like, I was raised into being a Falcons fan, right? Most of my dad's side of the family is Falcons fans. I have a Lions fan. I have a few other fans. But most people are Falcons fans in my family, right? So it's like, I got sick and tired of watching them. So it's like, I had wandering eye. I like to watch the Titans. And there that went. And then, what really sealed the deal is I already kind of proclaimed myself as a Titans fan before the whole Deshaun Watson thing. But then, after that crap, I'm like, I'm done. Bye-bye. But, but no, for real. Like, and then I do my research to an extent. Like, if I'm a fan of something, I like to know stuff. And just because I'm little, does I mean little, I'm young, does not mean I don't know stuff. Like, I might be the youngest person on the network. Like, I'm 22. I just turned 22 in February. But don't play with me. <laughs> But that's not the point. It's like. Like me. And another thing is. I may have or may have not followed Derrick Henry to the Titans. That's probably what got me to pay attention. But it was before that. Because I started liking how. I started liking the Titans like in 2013-ish. It's 2023. And I really said I was a fan 2016-2017. Because they were starting to irritate me because they weren't running my running back enough. And then, voila! Bam! He here now. But, and then my college team is Alabama. Now, I was also born into the Alabama thing. So, anybody who tells me I'm an Alabama fan because I like Nick Saban and I was paying attention to 2015, I'm going to look at you sideways. I was born into this, man. Like, I was born into this. I actually went to the school for a semester, and I want to go back. Like, I'm working my hardest to go back. Like, my dream is to go back. So, when people say that, I'm like, so you weren't there for the bad times either. You weren't there when we weren't doing so hard. Mm. Mm-mm. And I don't really watch college basketball, but if I do, I'm watching Alabama. 
again, that's my school. That's my allegiance. But, like, what's so very, like, entertaining about fandom is, like, people be a fan of people, different things, of different teams and, like, different areas for different reasons. Like, all of a sudden, I became a Titans fan and now I want to move to Tennessee, which is true. I do want to move to Tennessee soon, within the next five years. But, or they have different reasons for doing this and different reasons for doing that. But the one reason I can't respect is because they're winning. I don't do bandwagon fans. Y'all can say I can bandwagon Derrick Henry all I'd want. But push come to shove, you say something about my running back and I'm there. But I don't do bandwagon fans that just jump from fan from team to team to team to team. I'm not jumping to another team. My heart is in Tennessee with my Titans. My heart is in Tuscaloosa with my Crimson Tide. My heart is in LA with the, my Lakers. I've been a Lakers fan. And for and it's not just because of LeBron either. Because for a period of time in my life, I honestly could not stand LeBron because he flopped too much and he cried too much. <laughs> Ain't much change either. But I love him. He's still the GOAT to me. To me. But bandwagon fans are insufferable. Cowboys fans are insufferable. No, it no. Cowboys fans are just delusional. Chiefs fans are in, are insufferable. Come at me, bro. But yeah. But it's it's like one thing I find interesting is like people have so many different reasons to root for a specific team. I just don't respect it's because they're winning. And I like Nick Saban. I mean, I respect it, but at the same time, as a part of that fan base that's been there for a minute, and I and I I'm sure people when they hear my reasoning for joining the Titans will look at me sideways. But I'm here now, and I ain't going over it. Period. Well, 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 well. We've reached the conclusion of this week's episode of Jory Sports Stories. And as always, I'm your host, Jory, and I hope you all enjoyed today's episode. If you like what you heard, feel free to share the podcast and let's grow the audience. For updates and more, follow us on Twitter at Jory Stories, J-O-R-I-S-S-T-O-R-I-E-S. And on Instagram at J-D's, J-D-S underscore Sports Stories. Don't forget to follow to follow Sports Empire Network on Facebook and on YouTube. I'll be on there on the Coffee and Sports Morning Show from time to time. And tune in next week for more playoff coverage and analysis. Thank y'all for listening today, and I'll see y'all next week. Mm-hmm.